What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 77, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC on ESPN Plus 18 card headline by Jack Hermanson versus Jared Cannonier. This 13-fight card will take place in Copenhagen, Denmark, this Saturday, September 28th. The prelims to this event will start at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Plus featuring 7 fights, and the main card will start at 2 p.m. Eastern Time featuring 6 fights. All 13 bouts can be caught on ESPN Plus, and with that being said, we are going to get right into the first fight of the evening, which would be in the Bantamweight division. We have Noelleen Hernandez, who is 10-3, taking on Jack Shore, who is 11-0. The opening betting line for this one was Shore minus 245, Hernandez plus 175. Right now we are seeing Shore minus 165 to Hernandez plus 145. So more action coming in on the dog Hernandez in this one. And I'm a bit surprised because Jack Shore is coming over from Cage Warriors, has fought some very good competition over there. He looks like a very well-rounded martial artist, and he definitely has a little bit of hype coming in uh, to his UFC debut in this one. So I thought the line would be a little bit higher, but Hernandez is getting some respect, and uh, to be honest, this is going to be a close fight. I think that uh, on the feet is where it'll really be uh, close because uh, Hernandez is a very long, big bantamweight. Uh, but he, he has struggled with boxing defense in the past. In LFA, he was dropped a few times, and he definitely has problems with his boxing defense. Uh, he showed some decent takedown defense in LFA, but in his UFC debut against uh, Marlon Vera, he made some mistakes grappling uh, on the floor. He looked uh, He looked decent on the floor from time to time, but... Eventually, he made some mistakes that uh, ended up him getting armbarred by Marlon Vera. Uh, so that was not the best debut, even though he was. Uh, actually, no, he didn't get armbarred by him. He uh, he was outstriking Marlon Vera for the first maybe five or six minutes of the fight, and then eventually Vera landed some weird knee flying knee sequence, and uh, Vera ended up in mount and uh, landed some ground and pound, took the back of Hernandez and got the rear naked choke. So it was kind of a weird sequence. Hernandez was looking good up until that point, but he got caught and he got tapped out. And I think that there's a, a similar chance that that happens in this fight too, because sure his striking is not very good. He also doesn't have the best boxing defense. He did get tagged with some left hands uh, when he fought uh, Von Lee when the, in Cage Warriors not too long ago. So I think that uh, once Shore fights uh, a really talented southpaw striker with some decent takedown defense, he should be able to uh, suffer his first loss. But I don't think Hernandez is, is that guy, honestly. I think Hernandez's uh, grappling IQ is a little too low for, for Shore. I think Shore at some point gets the takedown and probably advances position, maybe lands gr uh, ground and pound, stays on top, or tries to hunt the submission as well. He is a finisher when he gets top position. He does do good ground and pound, does chase submissions, does look to advance position. So he's very aggressive on the ground. And I think that uh, Hernandez is bound to make a mistake at some point. But we have seen decent takedown defense from Hernandez uh, in LFA. So we might see him make improvements from his UFC debut. He might come in here, stuff takedowns, and outstrike Shore on the feet. 
but I don't see that happening. I th I'd see the more likely path is Shore getting those takedowns, mixing it up, and uh, winning his uh, UFC debut in this one. So I'm going to pick Jack Shore to win by decision, but it's a tough fight to, in the betting window because he is a debutante, and you're paying uh, minus 165. That's over 60% implied probability. It's a risk. I see why some people got in on Shore at maybe uh, minus 135 or, or minus 140, uh, which is where he was at the, the best uh, at one point. But whether that line is at now, I'm going to go with a pass on both sides. Don't think there's too much value on Hernandez either. So the pick is sure by decision. Next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Mark Casey, who is 13-3, taking on Lando Venata, who is 10-3-2. The opening betting line for this one was... Casey minus 135 to Venata at minus 105. Right now, we are seeing more action coming on Casey. He is now the minus 155 favorite to Venata at plus 135. So more action coming in on Casey's way. And at one point, Casey was all the way down to uh, minus 160. Or so there's a lot of action coming in on Casey, And I think it's the right side of things. I think that... Uh, Casey made some massive improvements in his last fight versus Joe Duffy. Not the greatest win because Joe Duffy honestly didn't just look pretty awful in that fight overall. But uh, I'd say Venata is struggling to make improvements. He came in the UFC, uh, looked good versus Tony Ferguson on short notice. And then since then, I think he's had a little bit of an underwhelming UFC career. Uh, he picked up that nice knockout over uh, Magdesi. He comored Marcos Mariano in that last fight. But he, he lost decisions to Tamer in close, two technical strikers. He lost two uh, two draws, or, well, he didn't lose draws, but he drew with Bobby Green, drew with Matt Favola, two uh, less technical brawling type of fighters. So, uh, Venanda's definitely underperformed from his initial expectations in the UFC. Dick Casey bounced back from that three-fight losing streak, uh, in his last fight versus Duffy but that that losing streak was not a good one he looked to be making a lot of mistakes he did not look uh, to be nearly the fighter that we thought he was early in his UFC career either but this fight should be a uh, mostly a striking battle because I think that the two of them both have decent wrestling backgrounds, but I just don't think that either one of them will have a big enough advantage on the ground to really pursue the takedowns. I think Dia Casey's takedown defense is getting better. It looked good versus Duffy. And Venata, I would say, has the better wrestling base of the two. He's very hard to hold down. Even a wrestler like Fervola wasn't really able to hold Venata down after getting the takedowns. So... I think that both of them will avoid the wrestling and it'll be mostly a striking battle, which I just think Casey uh, has a little bit better technique. I think he uses his length better. Venanda's got that weird style where he, he walks you down and with his hands down and he looks to land unorthodox kicks. He doesn't really have a good style for winning rounds on the feet. He has not very high volume. He's kind of hittable with those hands low, doesn't have the best boxing defense. And uh, he got hurt a few times uh, versus Fervola when they fought. So I'm going to lean Dia Casey's way in this one. I just think that he's the uh, the fighter making more improvements at this point in his career. Uh, he looked very good versus Duffy, as I aforementioned. And, you know, you might think that Venata looked good versus Mariano, but Mariano is one of the lowest skilled fighters on the roster. And we saw that last weekend on full display. So uh, I'm going to lean Dia Casey's way to get it done by decision. But again, I have a hard time paying that minus 155. That's over 60% implied probability. It's going to be a close striking uh, 
exchanging type of fight i could see the rounds going either way and i could see the decision going either way so it's a a tough fight to bet on but i'm going to pick dia casey to get the decision the next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division we have macy chiasson who is 10-0 taking on lena landsberg who is 9-4 the opening betting line for this one was chiasson the favorite at Minus 382, Landsberg the plus 260 underdog. And right now we are seeing Chasson minus 420, Landsberg plus 335. So even more action coming in on the heavy favorite Chasson in this one. At one point, Landsberg was actually at 4-1. to one. So I really don't get why Chasson just gets so overvalued in the betting lines honestly i, I think that people uh really are, are are high on her they she's been over a minus 500 favorite and now three fights in a row she'll probably close at minus 500 around there too so uh, i see why the the people are betting her in this spot but just at, at that implied probability of over 80 percent or more that's just not a very profitable long-term strategy for betting mma it's women's mma it's unpredictable lena landsberg made huge improvements last fight and chasson didn't even look good that last fight she got taken down early versus sarah moras she got held on bottom for four minutes versus moras eventually was able to uh escape that position land good ground and pound and possibly steal back the round and then got on top in round two and did some damage and got the finish in that one. So she she has great top control, good ground and pound. She's got decent submission abilities. But her striking ability, uh, I'm still talking about Chasson, uh, is very underwhelming. She's she's very reckless on the feet. She kind of marches forward, throws power, just looking to get into the clinch and look to get those takedowns. She did pick up that uh, KO victory over Mazzani in uh, one of her most recent fights, but that's not a very impressive win. I think that uh, Landsberg just looked tremendous in her last fight versus Evinger. The best Landsberg has ever looked by a massive, massive margin. She uh, stuffed the takedowns of Evinger, was landing good knees and elbows in the clinch in round one, landed a takedown, ended up on top to win round one. In round two, she got taken down uh, with a, a body lock trip takedown versus Evinger, which I really didn't like because I was under the impression that Landsberg made improvements. She dominated. She did dominate the fight, probably won 30-26, but Evinger still took her down in round two. And even though I'm giving praise to Landsberg right now, seeing Evinger take Landsberg down in round two was pretty much all I needed to see to know that Chiasin is going to win the fight because... Even though Landsberg did good work in round one, she cut her with an elbow, was landing good knees, landed the takedown, landed good ground and pound on top. After all that, Evinger still landed the takedown next round on a real sloppy attempt. So I just don't think Landsberg's takedown defense will be quite good enough to stop Jocelyn. But she still won round two. She reversed position, landed good ground and pound. She dominated round three. Again, won the clinch in round three, got takedowns, ended on top. It was just a great performance from Landsberg. So... Uh, with all the with that being said, I I do think that Chiasen will win the fight. I think that she probably gets the uh, the takedown in rounds two and three, and probably gets the finish on top. But I'm expecting round one to be close. I'm expecting it to be a a real uh, even battle in the clinch. Landsberg definitely has the technique edge in the clinch, and even though Chiasen is very powerful and uh, strong in the clinch. 
the clinch is one area where technique beats strength nine times out of ten. If you don't know how to properly uh, clinch and and use that Muay Thai clinch that Landsberg does when from her Muay Thai background, you're gonna eat knees to the stomach. You're gonna eat elbows. You're gonna eat uh, you know those slicing elbows that the, the from the elbow queen that cut uh, Evinger in her last fight. It's a dangerous fight for Chiasin because I, I'd say Chiasin's biggest weakness is in the clinch and in the striking, and I'd say Landsberg will have an advantage there and with her improving takedown defense and her improving grappling overall there's no way I would lay four to one on Chiasin there's no way I would lay more than two to one it's just not a good strategy I think that if you really want to lay that money down on Chiasin uh, I would either pick her inside the distance maybe her round two round three props or look to live bet Macy Chiasin after round one because I'm expect expecting round one to be close it should be pretty even in the clinch you might even see Landsberg win round one and you should get a way better price on Chiasin after uh, the cl close exchanges in round one so uh, the pick is going to be Chiasin to get it done by second round TKO I think she gets the takedown gets the top position and gets the finish but I'm definitely cheering for Landsberg in this one uh, I, I, uh, I like her Muay Thai style she fights with a lot of heart she's making big improvements and I'm just overall unimpressed with Chiasin and uh, think that there's a lot of value on uh, Landsberg haven't locked in a bet on Landsberg yet it would be a small you know half a unit value bet but I still do think there's some value there so uh, the pick is going to be Chiasin second round TKO um, but it's going to be a close fight the next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Giga Chikadze, who is seven and two, taking on Brandon Davis, who is ten and seven. The opening betting line for this one was Davis, the favorite, at minus one eighty to Chikadze at plus one forty. Right now, we are seeing Davis minus one fifty, Chikadze plus one thirty. So, more action coming in on the dog Chikadze's way. Uh, who knows if I'm pronouncing this guy's name right. We'll call him Giga. That's a little easier to, to nail over and over again. So Giga comes from a uh, pro kickboxing background, has had a lot of experience over in glory kickboxing, fighting some pretty high-level kickboxers. But don't let that fool you into thinking that he has great MMA striking because he doesn't. He does not at all. I have been extremely unimpressed with Giga's overall MMA game, uh, really underwhelmed by his striking even in MMA. I mean, if you watch that Austin Springer fight on the Tuesday Night Contender Series on mute, and you don't hear the commentators mention his kickboxing pedigree over and over and over again, you would never expect that Chikadze is a kickboxing background. He wasn't effective on the feet he had very low output he was looking for single power shots like body kicks and he wasn't having success he was getting clinched up he was getting taken down he didn't have much skill off of his back so i'm really unimpressed with chikadze he and if you look at the the fighters that chikadze has fought and beaten they have atrocious records uh oh and one two and 32 his one of his most recent opponents had a winning loss record of two wins and 32 losses a win over an, a zero and zero fighter zero and one zero and 13 one and ten zero and zero so every time he's fought a fighter with a winning record uh which are austin springer and gil Gallardo, he's lost and he lost pretty decisively so he's a complete can crusher he got it he's only in the ufc right now because uh, ali abdelaziz is his manager and 
with that being said, he's still given a favorable matchup. You know, Brandon Davis is definitely one of the lower level guys on the featherweight roster. He's actually moving back up to featherweight after a brief stint down at bantamweight. I'm not sure why he moved uh, back up. He he looked to be doing pretty good at bantamweight, but I guess that weight cut was just too much for him. And uh, Davis is not really the type of guy who is going to exploit Chikadze's weakness, which is the grappling, the takedown defense, getting off of his back. Davis is not really the type of, to, to pursue those offensive wrestling takedowns. He's more of a striker. He's got real, uh, some big size for the weight class. He's super long, got good calf kicks, uh, pretty decent boxing as well. In his last fight versus Kyung Ho Kang, he uh, was Landing good calf kicks from the start. He was getting outboxed in round one. Slightly lost round one to Kang. Came back in round two. Kang started to gas out. Davis was doing real good work with those leg kicks. Uh, in one round two, but and in round three, the tides looked like they were turning. It looked like the momentum was in Davis's favor, but he just could not stop Kang's takedowns. K Kang was kind of laying and praying in top position, but Davis just couldn't get off his back. Got taken down three times in that final round and lost the decision two rounds to one. So it was a close fight. He did a lot of damage on Kang's lead leg. He was competitive in the boxing with Kang, but he just came up short. So. In this fight, I think that the the experience that Brandon Davis has in the UFC and over good uh, competition that he's fought in the UFC is going to be the main factor because even though Chikadze comes from that kickboxing background and, and on paper he should be the better striker, I'm going to go go out there and claim that Davis is going to be the more effective striker in this matchup because he understands the range of MMA better. He's more comfortable fighting in this in the range of MMA when you have to be worried about takedowns and I'm just overall unimpressed with Chikazi's game his striking is nothing to rave about I don't see any area of striking where he's going to dominate Davis I mean he could uh, counter strike Davis coming into the clinch a little or coming into the uh, inside pocket a little recklessly I just don't think he has that type of counter punching skill I don't think he can strike well moving backwards I think that Brandon Davis uh, is going to be attacking those leg kicks he'll be very competitive in the striking I'm expecting Davis to mix in the takedowns a little bit because he definitely does have the better grappling game it's just you can't really rely on him to get those takedowns and get the top position and out grapple chikadze because he hasn't really done it before so uh, the pick is going to be brandon davis i'm pretty confident in him i'd cap him around minus 200 i'd say that there is some value on davis minus 150 i mean chikadze is a low level guy making his ufc debut he's got a weak ground game he's not an impressive striker i i think this is a pretty clear uh um, winnable matchup for Brandon Davis I would be pretty shocked to see Chikadze get it done here uh, but so the pick is going to be Brandon Davis to get it done by decision the next fight takes place in the welterweight division we have CR Badarazara who is 24 and 7 taking on Ismail Nardiev who is 18 and 3 the opening betting line for this one was Nardiev, the favorite, at minus 170 to Badarazara at plus 130 right now we are seeing Nardiev minus 185 to Badrazara plus 160. Not too much action coming in on this fight. I'm sure there's two way action coming in on both sides, but I think that where the line is set is is very accurate. Ismail Nardiev came into the UFC this year, picked up that incredible victory over uh, Michel Prezeris in his UFC debut. Short notice debut. Uh, comes in there in 30-26 is uh, Pizarro, stuffs takedowns, shows incredible uh, takedown defense, 
great cardio, good striking as well. And then his next fight against Chance Rencounter, he kind of laid an egg. He came out in the first two minutes, was outstriking Rencounter, uh, landing good punches. He went a little too hard for the finish, and then he got taken down uh, off of a kick and spent three minutes on his back, and then he was gassed out after that. He got taken down off of a kick in round two again, spent four minutes and 50 seconds on his back, Could just could not get up uh, from that top pressure of Chance Rencounter. Round three, he had some opportunities on the feet, but he just was making terrible, terrible decisions. He he should have, well, he got taken out off of kicks two times in a row. So you would think that he wouldn't throw any kicks. He wouldn't throw any fly knees, any spinning attacks. Well, he came out throwing kicks, throwing fly knees. Ren Counter takes him down again and wins round three in a dominant fashion. So after 30-26 uh, in Prezeris in his debut, he gets 30-26 by Chance Ren Counter in his next fight. But Chance Ren Counter is a really underrated grappler. He's an All-American Juco national champion. He's got an incredible top game, and he was really underestimated going into that fight as a 4-1 to underdog. And uh, now, now getting over to uh, Badarazara, he is a... a, a an older generation type of fighter. He's an orthodox fighter. He's very flat-footed. He doesn't use much footwork. He's He kind of plots forward on the feet. He's very hittable. He doesn't have very technical striking. He kind of just wings uh, combinations of wild punches. That's what he was doing versus Melender, but he was just getting soundly outstruck versus Melender. He was swinging those big wild punches while Melender was moving backwards and just using techniques to counter him easily. And... He got hurt real bad in round three versus uh, Melender, but he was still able to get the takedown, even though he was pretty much out on his feet. He couldn't keep the top position, and round three was kind of a back-and-forth sloppy grappling exchange, and he did lose that fight to Melender pretty uh, handedly. Um, but Bonarzar does have a decent win over uh, Luan Chargis pretty recently. Uh, in round one of that fight, he took down Chagas, uh, was holding top position, but he got his back taken uh, at the end uh, or halfway through that round. That was a, a kind of a, a, a bad sign from Badarazara. He was on top, he was winning the round, and he let Chagas escape and he let him take his back. Uh, fortunately for him, he started pressuring Chagas in round two, landed hard strikes, and was able to uh, finish uh, Chagas with a body kick in that one. So Badarazara hasn't been too active over the past few years, and he hasn't really been too impressive in what he's shown either. So uh, I think that on the feet in this one, it'll be fairly competitive. It's hard to trust Nardiev on the feet because in that last fight, he gassed out so soon. He was landing good strikes on Ren Counter. He chased the finish. He gassed himself out, and he had nothing left when it came to escaping takedowns on the bottom. So we could see that same thing. Badarazar is super hittable, super tough. We could see Nardiev hit him with some good strikes, chase that finish, gas out, and then Badarazar gets takedowns in, in top position and wins the, the second and third round. That's a possibility. Or we could see Nardiev come out here with a more calculated approach. He, he not empty out his gas tank too early. Just pick his shots on the feet versus Badarazara and hit takedowns when they're given to him. Because Nardiev should be the better grappler, the better wrestler here. And I think that if he sets up the takedowns with the punches, he should be able to win this fight pretty handedly. But... To be honest, at the price tag of minus 185, I'm not quite comfortable betting Nardiev at that price because even though the path to victory on paper is there to pick his shots, to be smart on the feet, to just be the more technical fighter because he is the more technical fighter. He's definitely more skilled. He's more athletic. He's very young. He's only like 23 years old, still improving while Bonarizar is like 36 at the end of his career and not, not fighting very often. 
I think that this is a very winnable matchup for Nardiev. I just could not trust him at minus 185 to to uh, to fight with that smart game plan to not gas out and to win this fight. So the pick is going to be Nardiev to win by decision, but in the betting window, it's going to be a pass. And if Badarazar gets over 2-1 to one at some point, uh, he could be worth a, a value bet on him or maybe look to live bet Badarazara after round one if uh, Nardiev looks pretty tired because um, you, I think Chance Rencounter was a plus 135 underdog after round one versus uh, Nardiev. So he's definitely getting a little too much respect in the betting line and uh, that's going to be all for this fight. So the next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Alessio de Chirico, who is 12-3, taking on Mahmoud Meridov, who is 22-6. The opening betting line for this one was Meridov, the minus... Oh, wow, that's right. De Chirico was the minus 230 favorite to Meridov at plus 170. Right now, the line has completely flipped. We are now seeing Meridov minus 145 to De at plus 125. So, congratulations to anybody who got in on Meridov at plus money. Plus money at all was immense value. If you got him at plus 170, that might end up being one of the best lines of the year because I think this is a very good matchup for Murdov. Uh, he is making his UFC debut in this one. He's an orthodox guy. He throws a lot of kicks on the feet. He's got very heavy body kicks. I think he's actually knocked some opponents out with, with head kicks as well too. Don't, don't, don't quote me on that quite yet. I'm checking on his record right now. Um, but he he's a very well-rounded fighter. It seems like he, he wants to get the uh, the takedown most of the time. He definitely does his best work from top position. And I've seen some, some weaknesses from DeHirico lately in his fights that lead me to believe that this will be a relatively easy fight for Muradov. Uh, so, and Muradov is, his most recent win, or uh, he's on an 11-fight win streak, and his most recent loss was actually a fight that he was winning the first, like, six or seven minutes of it, and then his shoulder got, got dislocated in, like, a weird exchange, and the fight was called off due, due to injuries, so, um, it... it his last loss isn't even real, like a le- too much of a legitimate loss. I mean, this dude has been beaten, uh, stiff competition. He's he's fighting in some really good promotions over in the Octagon promotion, and uh, I've been impressed with his the the level of competition he's faced. I've been impressed with his skills. He's very well rounded. He's got a really good wrestling base. He's got a lot of the different takedowns that he can go to to hit, and Dakirko. You know, what a frustrating fighter, man. He's a southpaw. He, he throws some decent power strikes in the feet, but he's just super uh, inactive. He, he does not throw enough on the feet. He had that win dangling in front of him versus Kevin Holland last fight, and he just could not, could not go out there and take it. He won round one uh, versus Holland, landed a good powerful elbow. It was a relatively uh, uneventful round, but I would give that round to DeKirko. Round two, he started to get uh, outworked a little bit. Uh, Holland landed a takedown, uh, was outstriking him on the feet. DeKirko did get ba- uh, did get back up to his feet, but the way DeKirko moves backwards to the cage is just not a good sign. He does not circle around the cage well. Uh, when he's getting pressured, he moves back in a straight line, and that's when I think Murdov is going to be able to get this takedown. So he's going to throw out a few strikes, get DeKirko moving backwards, and then shoot his doubles, his singles, his body locks, his trips. He's got a 
I'm telling you, vast array of takedowns that he can go to. He's comfortable hitting all different types of shots, chaining them together. Really high-level wrestler Muradov is. And once he gets top position, too, he's got really good top position. I think that he's got better top position than Kevin Holland. And if Muradov is able to get DeKirko down, he will keep the top position this time. So, and just one more note about the... Uh, it's funny, dislocated shoulder. Uh, Kevin Holland dislocated his shoulder in round two of their fight last time. And in round three, the before the round started, the doctors were checking on his arm. He, they were doing all these tests to make sure his arm was okay. It was clear as day that there was something wrong with Kevin Holland's arm. And DeKirko showed no incentive, no initiative to chase the finish to do any damage in round three. And he lost the round. I mean, Holland had one arm and he still just outstruck uh, DeKirko was able to avoid the takedown. It was just a pathetic performance from DeKirko. And I think that at minus 145, that's honestly a pretty good bet uh, on Meridov. You know, um, I warned you earlier about betting those debutants. Like, sure, even though the price might seem good, it is always risky business um, betting those debutants. Great example. I was pretty confident in Askar Askarov last week. Was really impressed with him. Thought he was going to go in here and outgrapple Marino. But uh, in his UFC debut, he proved that that UFC-level competition is just another animal. And he had a very competitive fight that he probably lost versus Brandon Marino. Luckily, I got the draw and got the bets refunded. But... You always got to be weary betting those debutantes, uh, even though I think that uh, Muradov will get the takedowns, will outstrike uh, DeKirko on the feet, and while it's there too, he should be pretty safe wherever this fight goes, pending that power shot, uh, you know, that power punch elbow of uh, DeKirko, I think Muradov should win this fight, and so the pick is going to be Muradov to get it done by decision. And the last fight on the prelims, also in the middleweight division, we have Alan Amadolski, who is 8-1, taking on John Phillips, who is 21-9. The opening betting line for this one was Amadolski, the minus-190 favorite to Phillips at plus-150. Right now, we are seeing Amadolski minus-130 to Phillips plus-110. So, more action coming in on the dog Phillips in this one. And it's a close fight. I see why the people came in in that early action. I, I honestly think that Phillips gets a little too much credit in the betting lines. I mean, he was plus 100 versus Marshman. It was a it was a close fight on the scorecards, but Marshman is a very tested UFC guy, and Phillips was still a very close. Uh, in the betting lines with him. I mean, he was really close. I mean, he closed as the favorite, actually, versus Charles Bird, which is actually pretty laughable looking back on how that matchup went down. Uh, so starting things off with, with Phillips, he's a low-output boxer. His game is straight boxing. He doesn't throw kicks. He doesn't hit takedowns. He doesn't... It looks like he doesn't train wrestling or jiu-jitsu at all. This guy has got, seriously, one of the worst ground games in all of the UFC. He can stuff a takedown. He can't get off his back. No idea what sweeps or submission is. Um, you know, no disrespect to the guy. It's just his skills are, are clear as day that he is a boxer and he wants really no other business to do with MMA besides throwing hands. And most of his fights were fights in, uh, in Wales against low-level competition where the guys were just uh, basically like glorified bare-knuckle boxers getting into an MMA cage. So that's where a lot of his experience comes from. And in the UFC so far, he's 0-3, and I have no idea, no clue makes no sense why he's getting a fourth fight after three losses in a row, looking uninspiring in all three of them. Um, maybe it's because his last fight was a close decision versus Marshman. It could have gone either way. 
Uh, and it probably could have gone to Phillips because he did do the the more damage in that fight. He did drop Marshman at some point, but it was just such a low level, low output boxing match that you can't really be uh, upset with the scorecards in that one. So I think maybe 10 punches landed all fight between these two guys. And these guys were talking a bunch of shit before each other. They were both from Wales. They were going to talk about who's the, the real Welsh you know, badass boxer. And then they go out there and, and throw 10 punches the entire fight. So I'm super unimpressed with Phillips. I mean, Amadovsky, not much better, honestly. His UFC debut, he did nothing on the feet versus Jocko. I mean, his path to victory was landing some hard punches on the feet versus Jocko because Jocko was certainly going to be the better grappler than him. Every single fight started, every single round started on the feet. Amadovsky did nothing, didn't throw anything, got taken down, got dominated on the canvas. Jocko looked like a minus 1,000 favorite out there. Amadovsky would just uh, learn that there's levels to the grappling and uh, he has shown some decent takedown or some decent takedown abilities top pressure he has shown some decent uh, knockout uh, power uh, in the regionals like Bellator and uh, some of the other promotions that he's come from you know, some like the highlight clips on YouTube you can see him landing some nice knockouts over low level competition so uh, on the feet in this one I think uh, it'll be pretty even Phillips should have the technique advantage, uh, but he just does not throw enough. He sucks at winning rounds, and I think Almodovsky is aggressive enough and throws with enough power to make this a very even fight on the feet. On the ground, Almodovsky should have a very big advantage, but we have not seen him hit takedowns in the UFC. We've seen him do it maybe back in 2015, I think he did it, uh, versus one of his opponents, uh, Samurako. I, I wrote down some notes. I mean, he, he can hit takedowns, stay on top, and win the fight. Uh, I just have a real hard time relying on him to do that uh, because he hasn't done it in the UFC so far. He looked pretty weak in his debut and uh, he is the favorite currently so the, I would say that it's definitely favorite or pass at these uh, betting odds there's no value on Phillips I mean if you're betting on Phillips 0-3 in the UFC you, you need to reevaluate things because even if he wins this fight I don't think he looks good doing it I don't think you you feel confident about your bet for a second of this fight you're gonna the second the, they're gonna start the fight you're gonna be like oh man I really put a wager on John Phillips um, so I, I would probably pass in this fight overall if you're betting a side. The side would be Amadovsky, uh, and maybe look to live bet it. That would be a better spot, uh, but this is going to be a pass for me in the betting window, um, and I'm going to probably pick to, uh, Amadovsky to, to get the victory by decision, uh, possibly even getting a, a finish if he gets takedowns in this one, but you really can't rely on Amadovsky uh, to hit those takedowns. He might give Phillips a, a standing a striking battle, which is Phillips' only path to victory. Um, so uh, that's the, the summary on that fight. The pick is going to be Amadovsky by decision. So moving on to the six-fight main card uh, here in Copenhagen, we are starting things off in the welterweight division. We have Alex Oliveira, who is 27-1. and one. That's 20 wins, 7 losses, 1 uh, draw, no contest. And then he's taking on uh, Nicholas Dalby, who is 17-3-1. and one. The opening betting line for this one was Oliveira, the favorite at minus 185, to Dalby at plus 145. Right now, we are seeing Oliveira minus 140 to Dalby at plus 120. So, more action coming in on the dog Dalby's way. And the early action came in on, on uh, 
Oliveira, and then Dalby was around plus 160, 165 for a while, which is just an incredible line. I'm actually really jealous of the people who got in on that line at that price. Um, so Nicholas Dalby making his way back to the UFC in this one after his uh, his brief stint over in Cage Warriors. He, he lost a few fights in the UFC, got cut, picked up some nice victories over in uh, the Cage Warriors promotion, and now is back. His last fight was actually a no contest. The fight was just so bloody that the referee actually had to stop the fight in the in the third round because the guys could not plant their feet. They couldn't stand up. They they couldn't do anything. The canvas was so slippery and covered with blood. He was cut real bad from an elbow. He broke his opponent's nose with a right hand. They were both bleeding like stuck pigs, and it was the right call to call the fight off because of blood. It's interesting that he got in the UFC, though, off that, that uh, performance. I mean, I guess the UFC just saw how savage of a performance was and decided it's time to give him another shot, and rightfully so. I mean, he's a well-rounded martial artist. He's got some skill in the feet striking, uh, and I think he really does his best work getting takedowns and top position. He's been scheduled for five five rounds uh, multiple times in a row. He has gotten fin- He got a finish over Lahore in round four. Um, he, he's, uh, knocked out opponents, uh, Allegrati with a head kick. He's gotten ground and pound TKOs. I mean, I'm really impressed with Dalby. Uh, he's really made some big improvements over the past few years. And Oliveira, I, I say, hasn't really made improvements. I mean, this guy's kind of stagnant in his growth. Uh, he fights, even though he's an unpredictable type of fighter, he does crazy things out in the octagon. He's got uh, some predictable uh, personality traits to his fighting. I mean, he's a fast starter. He usually comes at you uh, in round one trying to take your head off, trying to get that knockout. Comes comes out wild with that hands low, kind of karate type of style. But he does throw with massive power. You have to respect that power, especially in his punches. I mean, he knocked out Carlo Pedrozzoli in like 30 seconds with his punches. Um, but when it comes to the cardio in rounds two and three, when it comes to the takedown defense, so when it comes to sometimes the getting off of his back on the ground, that's where Oliveira struggles. He usually starts real fast, has a good round one, and then it drops off like he did versus Gunner. Had a real competitive round with Gunner, was able to actually escape his his uh, back attack of Gunner Nelson, which was really impressive. Land good ground and pound, probably win the round. Uh, ending on top, landing good ground and pound in the last uh, half of that round. Round two, he got taken down, though. He got mounted, smashed with an elbow, uh, and then he gave up his back and got rear naked choked. So I really think that the the biggest advantage in this fight will come by way of the grappling of Dalby. I think that uh, the best strategy from Dalby would be to uh, withstand that early storm of Oliveira, hit those level changes when they're available, Look to tire Oliveira out and to take him into the later rounds where uh, Dalby will no doubt have the better cardio. Talking about a guy who's been scheduled for 25 minutes uh, multiple times in a row in pretty decent competition over in Cage Warriors and versus Oliveira, a guy who is just notorious for gassing out. I mean, he gassed versus Yancey Medeiros. Uh, he gassed out versus... Uh, Gunnar Nelson pretty badly. I mean, he was able to get that victory over Carlos Condit in between those fights. That was a nice victory by way of submission. But I really think that uh, we're going to see a pretty 
distinct grappling advantage from Nicholas Dalby in this one. I think that he will hit the takedowns. He will probably keep top position on Oliveira. We might even see a submission from uh, Dalby in this one, but uh, I'm actually going to pick him to get the submission. I think that uh, the the top pressure, the ground and pound will be too much of Dalby, and eventually Dalby will get that uh, that submission or that ground and pound uh, TKO on the ground somewhere. Cowboys Pat the Victory is getting that round one knockout. I mean, he starts real fast in round one, as I mentioned. He's got massive power, and I think that on the feet, it should be somewhat competitive. Uh, Dolby has uh, well-rounded striking. He's got good defense and everything, but I would say that that would be the the area of MMA where they are most evenly matched. When it comes to the wrestling and the grappling that's where and the cardio, that's where Dolby's going to have that big advantage. So uh, unless Oliveira gets the first-round knockout, I'm picking Dolby to... Uh, I'm going to go with a third-round... TKO from top position, ground and pound uh, finish in this one from Dolby. And if Dolby is uh, anything anything better than uh, minus 200 after round one in the live lines, I would say that Dolby's a good bet. Um, so uh, Dolby's going to be my uh, underdog pick to get the victory. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Ovin St. Preux, who is 23-13, taking on Mikhail Olachechuk, who is 14-2. The opening betting line for this one was Olachechuk minus 210 to OSP at plus 160. Right now, we are seeing Olachechuk minus 240 to OSP at plus 200. So we'll call him Mikhail for now instead of uh, pronouncing the seven syllables in Olachechuk. Uh, every single time. Uh, I, I like McCall in this fight, uh, although I would not bet him at his current price and because it, it comes down to OSP has about three minutes of grappling in his gas tank. I mean, he came out strong versus, uh, well, actually, Krilov came out strong versus OSP, was throwing a lot of strikes, trying to knock uh, OSP's head into the fourth row. OSP was level changing. He hit three or four takedowns in round one, was not able to keep too much top position, but at one point he was able to uh, pass to half, uh, pass half guard, then get the mount on Krilov, and Krilov recklessly got back to his feet. He turned his back and... You know, might have gotten himself choked out, but he escaped that position, started hurting OSP on the feet, uh, and even Krolov got the takedown, ended up taking the back of OSP, softened him up at ground and pound, and getting the rear naked choke. So it really turned the tides. I mean, OSP is no doubt about it the better grappler than Krolov. He tapped him out uh, five years ago. He was out grappling him early, but his cardio drop off is so steep that. Krilov, the guy who is a primarily a striker, was the one hitting takedowns and was the one taking the back and getting the choke on OSP. So OSP is certainly a declining fighter. Uh, his striking is is n absolutely absimal at this point in his career. I mean, he's lower than average. He's very slow on the feet. He's super hittable. He got completely outstruck by Reyes when they fought. And if this fight is on the feet, I think Olachechuk will be boxing the fuck out of OSP, probably knocking OSP out if it stays on the feet for a long period of time. But from what we've seen of, of Olachechuk, I would not be, or from what we've seen of him in the UFC, I should say, I would not be confident laying that two to one chalk on him to stuff those takedowns of OSP because 
uh, for those three minutes, OSP is still a good grappler. He can hit takedowns. He can advance position. He can stay on top. He can possibly submit you. But you really have to have that good takedown defense, that good gra uh, defensive grappling uh, to withstand that early storm. And I'm not quite sure Olachechuk has that defensive grappling. I mean, if you uh, we're going back to 2015 here. And this was, I think, when he was like 20 years old. Uh, Olachechuk is crazy young. He's only 24 right now. So, but back in 2015, he took on an opponent named uh, Thomas Jasinowski, and for the first uh, maybe seven or eight minutes of that fight, he was taken down multiple times. His takedown defense did not look very good. He did not have uh, good get-ups off of his back, and, you know, I, I was super unimpressed with his takedown defense in those fights. Now, that was four years ago. He That was when he was, you know, only 20 years old. He's 24 now. He's got the UFC experience under his belt. Uh, and that's four years is a ton of time to improve your takedown defense. And I do think that Olachechuk will be able to withstand that early storm, will be able to uh, keep the fight standing after a few minutes and then eventually start to outbox OSP, uh, eventually land in that knockout punch uh, like he did versus Antigulov. You know, Antigulov just came at him desperate shooting those shots and Olachechuk just easily countered, knocked him down three times and finished him. Uh, Olachechuk is uh, probably the, the, the going to win this fight pretty comfortably, but I just would not lay that 2-1 to one chalk on him. Uh, if you have access to the live betting lines, like in, in the middle of the round, once it hits that, you know, maybe 2.5 minute, 3-minute mark of the round, and, and if Olachechuk is still on his feet, not on his back, slam that line because... OSP's got no cardio after that that three or four minute mark. He's not going to be able to do any damage. Not going to be able to take downs. Not going to be able to keep up that that pressure and pace that he does in the first three minutes. So uh, if Olachechuk is off of his back at the three minute mark of this fight, I, I see him getting the knockout uh, before the third round. Honestly, so uh, the official pick is going to be Olachechuk to get the second round knockout. I'm going to go ahead and pass on his money line. Hopefully, I can maybe snipe that uh, live line if OSB has a good round one. Um, but that's going to be the pick. McCall, second round, TKO. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division as well. We have Ian Kutaleba, who is 15-4, taking on Khalil Roundtree, who is 8-3. The opening betting line for this one was... Roundtree, the favorite at minus 140. Kutaleba, the plus 100 dog. Right now, we are seeing Roundtree minus 125. Kutaleba, plus 105. So, honestly, a bit surprised by the line movement in this one. We saw some early action come in on Kutaleba's way. Then that late action pushed him back up to as high as plus 135 at one point. And now the line is slowly creeping back down to evens with that late action coming in back on Kutaleba. And... I'm really shocked by the line move in this one. You know, Kudaleba is a wild, powerful striker. He fought Teixeira in his last fight, and he actually looked very improved in that fight. He was stuffing takedowns of Glover. He stuffed like five or seven takedowns in the first seven or eight minutes of that fight versus Glover and was outstriking Glover on the feet. He actually rocked Glover pretty badly with a spinning back fist at one point, but his cardio dropped off definitely in round two. He got one of his kicks caught, he got put on his back, he got uh, mounted, ground and pound, gave up his back, and he got rear naked choked in the second round versus Glover. So Kutaleba is a dangerous striker, he throws with real power on the feet, he's got some decent technique on the feet too, but 
like we've been talking about with the past couple of fighters, he has a, a cardio drop-off. I would say his is more around the six or seven minute mark where he really starts huffing and puffing and it's because he he goes for your head man he goes for the kill he head hunts he he tries to get that knockout in round one and if he doesn't he really doesn't have too many other options meanwhile roundtree he used to be that guy he used to come at you trying to knock you out in round one like he did versus uh, mccall back when they fought in 2017 and he was the one gassing out like kutalebo uh, was like you know hundreds of light heavyweights middleweights heavyweights have before they go for that early round knockout they don't get it and then they're they're gassed out and they lose the, the late, latter half of the fight but roundtree has made massive improvements in his last fight i mean it's it's only one fight so we're, i'm not gonna actually well he 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 knocked out gokan saki with a straight left hand that was a great victory then he takes on johnny walker he gets out clinched in that fight gets rocked and dropped with an elbow and just completely knocked out cold and he realized he was out clinched in that fight he realized that his muay thai was not as good as johnny walker so he decides to move to thailand he is now bangkok ready and he looked incredible in his last fight versus anders he was attacking that lee leg of anders had a completely new style a thai style he was throwing 60 70 percent power shots instead of putting his 110 percent power into every shot and gassing out he picked his punches, he knocked Anders down four times with punches in that fight, just put a complete thrashing on Eric Anders, butchered his legs with leg kicks, he fought calculated, he didn't gas out, he, it was just such an improved performance uh, by Roundtree, you know, his clinch game is getting better, he's working with real high level Thai fighters over in Thailand, and... With all this being said, I I really do favor Roundtree in this fight. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's clearly making improvements. He saw something go wrong in that fight versus uh, Walker. He improved his clinch. He improved his gas tank, improved his fight IQ. Uh, and, I mean, it was against Eric Anders who looked bad that fight. He was not pressuring. He was kind of just standing in that range getting uh, outstruck willingly. Wasn't looking for takedowns. Wasn't nearly aggressive as he usually was. But... Kutaleva is going to be marching forward, looking to throw those power punches, and Roundtree is going to be cool, calm, calculated, and looking to counter. He's going to be looking to, to punish the legs of uh, Kutaleva. He's going to look, look to counter punch Kutaleva, and I think he does so with success. I think that he's going to be uh, limiting that movement of Kutaleva right away with the leg kicks. He's going to be counter punching Kutaleva when he's coming into the pocket recklessly. Uh, he probably uh, outstrikes Kutaleva early. Kutaleva is going to gas out. We might even see Roundtree get the knockout, but uh, he just fights so smart and like he did versus Anders. I honestly think he just picks his shots, uh, avoids that power punch of Kutaleva. He, I think he's going to respect the power coming off of that knockout over Walker. Uh, he's he's fighting much more smart. He's going to stick to that game plan that. Um, that uh, tie style game plan attack the lead legs counter punch and i'm gonna go with uh, round tree to get it done i think he w the damage will accumulate a little bit he will uh that gas tank of kutaleba is gonna drop off and i'm gonna pick round tree to get the third round knockout in this one kutaleba's path to victory i would say is that first round knockout he's gonna have to try to uh, test that ego of round tree uh draw him into a brawl and try to try to make it a, a less technical fight because roundtree you know I, 
he still does have pro I still don't think his problems with being pressured are gone I don't think he's completely uh, a, a world-renowned fighter now I think that he still will face problems against wrestlers and against guys with good pressure and uh, good top games but Kutaleba is not one of them I think that uh, it's actually a very favorable matchup for Roundtree in this one and I have a uh, 1.7 unit bet locked in on uh, Roundtree at minus 125 that I made about a week ago and the, the, the line is still hovering around that price so I think that's a very good bet um, so the pick is going to be Roundtree to get that second or third round knockout in this one the next fight takes place in the welterweight division we have Gilbert Burns who is 16 and 3 taking on Gunnar Nelson who is 17 4 and 1 the opening betting line for this one was Nelson minus 130 Burns minus 110 Right now, we are seeing the line flip. Burns is now the slight favorite at minus 130 to Nelson, the slight dog, at plus 110. So short-notice matchup coming in here for Burns. Another short-notice matchup. He fought Alexei Konchenko, short-notice up away class like a month ago, and he looked incredible in that fight. I picked him to win that fight as an underdog, uh, and, man, he just looked incredible. I mean, Burns is, is incredible. Imp uh, impressing me more and more fight to fight this guy is just making massive improvements he always had an incredible jiu-jitsu pedigree kind of relied on it though only really had some power striking to go along with it he's developed his technique and his striking his his uh, leg kicks have gotten a lot better and his wrestling has also improved man his level changes and takedowns i think have gotten a lot better he uh, completely outclassed Obin oam uh, a few fights ago outboxed him out wrestled him out grappled him and uh, burns is just a different animal man right now i think he's really coming to into his own uh entering the prime of his career uh and you know nelson been in the ufc for a while very well-known guy but i think he's kind of had a, a little more notoriety uh in like the casual scene than his his career really calls for it, if you know what i mean like He's a very popular fighter. He's friends with Conor McGregor. He's a very well-known fighter amongst casual fans. But if you look at the guy's record, I mean, he's been rather unimpressive. He's uh, hasn't fought that often over the past few years. I mean, his most of his wins are over lower-level guys like Brandon Thatch and Alan Joban, Zach Cummings, uh, Alex Oliveira. And when he's fought those higher-level guys, uh, Damian Maia, Ponzinibbio, Edwards, he, he's lost those fights. And he has weaknesses. I would say that his boxing defense is a big weakness of his. He keeps those hands low in that karate type of style. And for, for big power punchers, you know, they can exploit that. And that's what Santiago Ponzinibbio did, knocking him out in under 90 seconds. He's got some bad defense in the clinch as well. He In his uh, most recent fights against uh, Leon Edwards, he got dropped with an elbow, uh, exiting on the break with his hands down from the clinch. And Nelson does have good takedowns. He does have you know elite jiu-jitsu i just think that his jiu-jitsu although it's great it's it's world-class jiu-jitsu black belt level you're talking about burns who is a who has got multiple pedigrees on his black belt who competes in jiu-jitsu uh regularly in addition to his fighting career who has out grappled some high level grapplers in mma like konchenko last fight konchenko was having great takedown defense and stuffed all of the shots in the ufc so far against natural welterweights and then burns comes up a guy who spent most of his career at lightweight goes up to 170 and out wrestles konchenko who's got an incredible defensive wrestling game uh 
so just more and more just gushing about that performance uh, from Burns in his last fight over Konchenko. Um, Nelson did come back in round three after getting outstruck by in rounds one and two versus Edwards. He got the takedown. He ended up in mount for the, with uh, and won the round in mount. He just didn't do much with it. I mean, he had an extremely dominant position. He was down two rounds to nothing. He needed to get an, a finish or do some real damage with that mount, and he just didn't. Just very little initiative shown by Nelson in that one. And. I mentioned earlier in the podcast when Gunnar Nelson fought Alex Oliveira, he he had the back take on Oliveira for a short period of time, but even Alex Oliveira was able to reverse that position and land good ground and pound. He had an extremely competitive round one, probably lost round one uh, because he spent some time on his back. He got uh, hit with some ground and pound, and I think that that's how this fight goes, and it's Burns going to be... He's going to be the better striker on the feet. I think he's got the better wrestling game, and I think he's got the better jujitsu game as well. I think he certainly has the better uh, um, top game of the two. I think Burns is going to look to put Nelson on his back, and once he puts Nelson on his back, he neutralizes Nelson's best MMA quality, which would be his top game. He, his bottom game is nowhere near as good as his top game, and if Burns pursues the takedowns, he will probably get them, put Nelson on his back, and he will make Yeltsin, Nelson pretty much useless. So I give Burns the advantage everywhere in this fight. I think he'll be the better striker. He throws in more power. He's got the more technical wrestling, and he's got the better jujitsu of the two. It should be a really high-level fight because these are two elite-level black belts. It should be an, an intriguing uh, grappling match if it goes to that. But I just give Burn, Burns the edge everywhere and, uh, and uh, also have a 1.7-unit bet locked in on him at minus 125 odds as well that I made uh, a week or so ago. So uh, the pick is going to be Burns to get it done by decision. Although I should mention that Burns' last fight, it was the short notice fight versus... Um, Kinchenko. He won rounds one and two of that fight very easily, and he kind of took round three off, sort of like uh, Edwards did a little bit versus um, Nelson. So if he does that here, you know, maybe uh, Gunnar Nelson will have learned from his loss, uh, his most recent loss, and if he gets that top position or if he's losing rounds one and two, he might go for the kill in round three a little more. So it Burns better not do that this fight. He, he can't afford to take round three off versus all of his opponents. I don't think that's a good long-term strategy. I, I think he'll be a little bit better prepared for this fight. I think he actually had like three or four weeks to prepare for this fight. And he's just an insane athlete, always in shape, always competing or training for something, uh, a match or a fight of some sort. So I'm pretty confident in Burns to get this one done. I mean, Gunnar Nelson was supposed to fight Tiago Alves as well, which would have been a complete walk in the park for him. And he probably wasn't even training that hard for that fight because he, he would have just easily uh, beat Tiago Alves. And all of a sudden now he's got a way harder matchup. He went from a minus 500 favorite to now he's a plus 105 underdog. So a big change uh, in things for Nelson. And I think that really plays into Burns' favor. Um, so the pick is going to be Burns by decision once again. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division, the co-main event of the evening. We got Mark O'Madson, who is 8-0, taking on Danilo Belluardo, who is 12-4. The opening betting line for this one was Madsen, the favorite, at minus 400 to Belluardo, the plus 280 underdog. Right now, we are seeing Madsen minus 700 to Belluardo at plus 500. Wow. So... 
quick initial thoughts. Madsen is way too high right now. Minus 700, you people are, are crazy for betting him. Uh, he is making his UFC debut in this one. He is, a, uh, I think, maybe the only Danish, is that what you call a person from Denmark? Danish fighter on the card. Uh, the UFC went out there and found a, a popular um Danish fighter uh, and put him in the co-man event slot and they gave him an extremely easy matchup. Bellawarda, one of the lowest level guys on the roster. No disrespect to him, but his last fight just showed his clear um, lack of experience and uh, showed that he does not deserve to be in the UFC at all. So Marco Madsen is a uh, Olympic wrestler. In the 2016 Rio Olympic Games, he got silver medal in wrestling. So this guy is an the highest level of wrestling you can get. I mean, he was the second best wrestler in the world uh, uh, only three years ago at his weight class. So no matter how good Belawardo's takedown defense is or his defensive grappling is, it's not going to be good enough to compete with uh, a silver medalist in the Olympics as recently as three years ago. And I'm not just saying that blindly. I've watched Belawardo fight. His defensive grappling is not very good. I mean, he... Uh, was on top of that fight uh, in Alvarez. He was winning that fight. He, he was landing the takedowns on Alvarez. And then he eventually got half guard sweeped in round two and got Dagestani handcuffed, and he got smashed to ground and pounded and TKO'd. I mean, he was winning the fight. He was staying on. He got hit the takedowns. He was just staying in, in Alvarez's guard, just winning the rounds on top. Then he gets half guard swept and finished. I mean, it was a really weird sequence. Uh, he was uh, he was actually struggling with the, the striking of Alvarez too in that fight. Alvarez was just staying at kicking range, kicking Belawardo, and uh, Belawardo just didn't really have an answer. He's Belawardo is pretty much strictly grappling based. Most of his wins have come by submission. But even with that said, his grappling is not very good. I'm not not impressed with his skills at all, and I I think that I think that his skills will be good enough to not get submitted here because. Madsen, although does have incredible takedowns, great double leg takedown, he does not have the, the best finishing ability and he does not have the best uh, jiu-jitsu or top control. He will start the rounds, the first 60 seconds, 90 seconds, not doing much, throwing the occasional punch or two. He's got that tip, typical wrestle boxer type of uh, striking. He kind of spams the overhand. He just kind of gets you thinking about the striking for a, a minute and then he shoots his double legs. He will. He has got a great double leg. I mean, as he should, Olympic level wrestler, and he. That's what he's gonna do here. He's gonna fool around with Belawardo on the feet for a minute, get Belawardo thinking about striking, and then blast that double, put Belawardo on his back, and uh, he's always looking to advance. He's always looking to ground and pound or go for a submission. Uh, he's never really thinking too heavily about top control though. So I think Belawardo will have the the scrambling ability, the sub defense to make this fight not a complete blowout and that's why i said it's minus 700 is ridiculous um because i think Bellawarda will uh maybe stuff a takedown or two he will uh maybe get back to his feet once or twice uh from the grab after he gets taken down i don't i think it is uh he will be good enough to not get his back taken or get submitted or finished in any type i'd say madsen's best um chance of finishing would be getting mount and would be ground and pound uh tkoing him kind of like alvarez did last fight but i don't think madsen will submit Bellowado. i think i don't think that madsen really has the jiu-jitsu pedigree to do so but would not be totally surprised because he's just got such uh such great um 
top game that he could get a back take and could get the choke if that comes to this but uh, I, I don't give Bellardo much of a chance in this fight although I do think the odds are a bit wide not quite wide enough to the point where I think Bellardo uh, is worth the value bet um, but I'm going to pick uh, Madsen to get it done by decision I just have not seen enough finishing ability from him uh, to make me think that he's going to go out here and make a statement uh, it's always possible he gets the finish it's always possible he gets that dominant position unleashes it uh, I just don't think it happens and I think he uh, puts on a show for his uh, big Danish crowd should win a very dominant decision I'm going to go with uh, Madsen to win a 30-26 decision and in the main event of the evening in the middleweight division, we have Jack Hermanson, who is 20-4, taking on Jared Cannonier, who is 12-4. The opening betting line for this one was Hermanson, the favorite, at minus 210 to Cannonier at plus 160. Right now, we are seeing Hermanson minus 245 to Cannonier plus 205. So... More action coming in the favorite Hermanson's way in this one, and rightfully so. Uh, both of these guys are improving a lot fight to fight. Cannoneer dropped down from heavyweight to light heavyweight to her, uh, to middleweight, and he's looked better and better at each and every weight class. I mean, he was really coming into his own, uh, picking up that knockout victory over Branch, picking up the TKO victory over Silva in his last fight. You know, incredible victory, you know, TKOing uh Anderson Silva in the first round with a light kick nonetheless too and let's uh, we'll start with the branch fight versus uh for uh with Cannoneer here uh so in the first 20 seconds he got double leg by branch he had some good get-ups he used the cage to get back up to his feet he got taken down another once or twice and he probably lost round one just getting to, just spending a little too much time uh on the bottom of the grappling exchanges got taken down a few times but i just saw some really bad tendencies from cannoneer when he was stuffing takedowns like he turns his back away uh like giving up the you know the back take possibly or giving up an easier takedown he doesn't particularly have good underhooks good overhooks uh he doesn't really dig wizards or uh, doesn't just do the right things to stuff the takedowns and i think that that will be uh you know his ultimately what loses him this fight uh Kenanier, i'd say his pet his best pet to victory would be landing that knockout blow on the feet he's got good leg kicks he's got power in his right hand but his striking is not really too impressive overall i mean his his leg kick and his right hand are really his only two weapons and he uh, he attacked that lead leg of Silver right away, throwing inside outside leg kicks. It was a clear game plan. Uh, it worked great. And um, one thing I will mention is that Dominic Cruz, when he was commentating Hermanson's last fight, is that he said that I'm surprised Jacare is not throwing leg kicks right now because. Uh, Hermanson turns his knee in a way that his knee is facing inward and it would be a really good target for a, a leg kick so that's definitely going to be a path or going to be a game plan for Cannonier in this one he's going to be look to, looking to smash the legs of Hermanson limit the movement of Hermanson and uh, land that knockout punch on the feet but I do not think he has success doing so because Hermanson has that crazy in and out movement. He's very light on the feet for the first few rounds, moving in and out, throwing jabs, throwing his own leg kicks, and he really does his best work on the ground. He's got some of the best top game in all of MMA. He's got a really good uh, wrestling background. He he does his best takedowns from the clinch. He uh, he will um, you know he whipped 
uh, Dave Branch down to the clinch, uh, uh, whipped Dave Branch down to the ground in the clinch with some you know crazy throw takedown. He took uh, Daryl Michard down with that body lock takedown. Uh, he even got takedowns on Jacare a few times. He caught a leg kick of Jacare, blasted a double off of that. Uh, he's really got a, a vast array of takedowns that Hermanson can hit. And once he gets you on the ground, he is... A, an elite level guard passer he's an elite level uh, position advancer his ground and pound is is terrific his submissions are great he his arm and guillotine is his bread and butter submission and he taps like almost everybody with that move jacare was locked in deep to that arm and guillotine in round one of that fight after getting dropped by that short four punch combination against the cage and Jacare was probably one of the only guys in the UFC who would be able to defend that choke, you know, like a fifth or sixth degree black belt, one of the best credentialed grapplers on the roster, and he did all the right things, and he defended that choke expertly of Hermanson, but 99% of the people on the UFC roster who are in that choke tapped that choke, and he's gotten a lot of submissions with it before. I mean, I think he's hit it two times in a row versus uh, Mirshart and versus Branch, and it was going for a third there, but it, it didn't quite work out, but just the skills he showed in that Jacare fight, man. Uh, if you go back and listen to that episode of the podcast, it was the UFC Sunrise podcast. I forget exactly which episode, but I said something is going on with Hermanson right now. This guy is improving at incredible rates, even though I can't identify a clear area where he has an advantage in this fight. I didn't think that he would be the better striker or the better grappler than uh, Jacare. I, I was still picking Hermanson. I just had this faith in Hermanson. I had this faith in his momentum that he had that he would come out there and put on a crazy performance and get the win somehow which I usually don't do. I usually will, will go by the tape and I will have a clear path to victory in mind and I'm not going to make a pick unless I have uh, you know, a, a path to get to that victory. But Hermanson, I made the exception for where I said, I don't know why, but uh, he's winning this fight. And that's exactly what he did. He came out and he looked improved. He was outboxing Jacare. He was doing good work in the clinch with the knees. He was getting takedowns on Jacare. He, in round two, he caught, so Jacare threw a telegraph leg kick. Hermanson caught the leg kick and shot one of the fastest double legs I've ever seen in MMA. Kept Jacare on his back for four minutes and landed 109 ground strikes in that round. Just short little pitter-patter ground and pound. But, you know, that sometimes he gets mount and unleashes powerful ground and pound. But this time he was just content to sit in the guard of Jacare and smash him with that pitter-patter shots, outlanding Jacare by 99 strikes in that one round alone. It was 109 strikes to 10 or something like that, or 108 to 9. Um, just an incredible uh, performance from Hansen. Uh, his takedown or his cardio were, was great. He won. One, rounds one and two were clear rounds to Hermanson. Rounds three, uh, Jacare came back, was having a little more success, was punching to the body of Hermanson. Uh, that might be another path that a Cannoneer looks to exploit as well. Hermanson looked to struggle a little bit with the body punches. So uh, if Cannoneer comes out here looking to uh, attack that body, that might be a, a path to victory for him. But uh, round four, Hermanson comes back, wins round four, and round five was a close back and forth round, but I honestly gave that round to Jacare. I thought he did the more damage, was landing some harder strikes, and even though Hermanson hit the takedown in the last 20 seconds and ended the round on top, I gave that fifth round to her to Jacare. So it was a three rounds to two fight for, for Hermanson. Maybe that uh, that round two even being the 10-8 for Hermanson, but. 
even though it was kind of close in the rounds, it, it was a pretty dominant performance. Hermanson was in control for most of the fight. Uh, he looked you know, incredible. He really looked like an elite level fighter for the first time in that performance, and I was happy to call call the uh, the prediction on that one. Like I said, I didn't know how he was going to do it, but he came out there and showed improvements that weren't on tape. He showed uh, really fast boxing, and he showed good straight punches, good work in the clinch with the knees. And uh, I think that um, he this is a good matchup for him. I think that uh, Hermanson is able to avoid that the, the light kicks and the power punches of Cannoneer. He's able to get the takedown on Cannoneer. And, and once, he, once he gets the takedown, I think that he will style on Cannoneer on the ground. We've seen Cannoneer outgrappled before uh, by Glover Teixeira. We saw Dave Branch take him down multiple times. And you saw what Hermanson did to Branch. Um, so... I think that uh, Hermanson comes out here. He'll probably look for to get that body lock, uh, look to get those trip takedowns, uh, like the body lock trip or inside-outside trip, and uh, probably advance position, go side control to mount, land heavy ground and pound, uh, possibly getting a rear naked choke, uh, ground and pound TKO, or, or his patented arm and guillotine. Um, so... Uh, the pick is going to be Hermanson. I, I think that his top pressure and his pace wears on Cannoneer. Cannoneer's first five-round fight, uh, it, it's gonna. I think it's gonna show that Hermanson's got that five-round experience. I think that the pressure gets to Cannoneer, and by round three, we are going to see a stoppage victory from uh, Jack Hermanson. So, with this one, I'm gonna go with a a third-round rear naked choke victory for Hermanson in this one to get it done in the main event. So. Uh, really looking forward to this card, man. It starts nice and early, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, with the main card starting at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. 13 great matchups going down in Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, not too many bets for the card locked in so far. I'm eyeing a play on Brandon Davis for probably 1.5 units. Um, you know, I on a play on DKC too, but I'm probably going to pass on that. I on a play on uh, Murdov. Uh, Amadovsky, all these guys, uh, all these guys, I'm uh, I'm thinking about playing. Uh, Dalby, I might play him pre-fight, um, but I'm probably will wait to that uh, after round one if uh, Oliveira uh, gasses out. Uh, same thing with McCall, probably look to live bet him after round one. I got that 1.7 units on Gilbert Burns and on round three at minus 125, and. Um, no bets so far on the co-main or main event, but that that's all possible to change. If you want to see my official bets, I will put them out on Twitter before the event starts or on Bet MMA Tips. Uh, you can check me out there at Martian MMA. I am at UFO UFC on Twitter. That is at UFO underscore UFC on Twitter. Uh, you can check out my final bets there. And that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It's been episode 77. Thank you to each and every person who listened to the podcast. And I will catch you all next week before UFC 243. Peace.